The Chicago Bears started to turn things around with the win against the Washington Commanders, but now they need to sustain that success. And there are a few things that we've seen from the team in the last couple of weeks that look like they could be long-lasting progress. You are Locked On Bears, your daily Chicago Bears podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is Locked On Bears, and I'm your host, Lauren Cox. I'm here to bring you your daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. You can follow me on Twitter, at CoxSports1. You can follow the podcast on Twitter, at Locked On Bears. You can like Locked On Bears on Facebook. Join the Locked On Bears Facebook group for even more Bears talk. And make sure you hit that subscribe button on the Locked On Bears YouTube channel to keep up with all of our video podcasts as well. Thanks for making Locked On Bears your first listen today. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use our promo code LOCKEDONNFL for $20 off your first purchase. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. On the show today, we look at what we've seen lately from the Chicago Bears and try and find signs that, hey, maybe this success might last. Maybe that doesn't mean they're going to go on a win streak per se, but that some of the things that they're getting better at aren't just a one-time fluke, but are actually progress and growth and improvement that you think might be able to transition and parlay into more success down the line. We'll start with this Bears defense growing, not fixed, not solved, not a great defense by any means, but showing some real progress on that side of the ball. I think both from a coaching standpoint and a play-calling standpoint from Matt Eberflus, but also some individual players making some real progress on this defense. Then, of course, we got to talk about Justin Fields and what he's doing as a quarterback in these last couple of games and the kind of confidence and decisiveness and progress that we're seeing from him, as well as this Chicago Bears offensive line and the protection as well being a big part of not only Fields' success, but also the running game, the offense as a whole, and, of course, that sort of symbiotic relationship between offensive success defensive success elsewhere on the roster. But I was really interested in how this Bears defense came out against Sam Howell and responded. And it's worth noting, right, we're not here to say the defense was good or or great. I mean, they still gave up 20 points. Like, you'd like to ideally be even better than that. And the defense, by all means, still has plenty of weaknesses and plenty of shortcomings and plenty of room to still grow. But it felt like progress in this game in a way that, you feel like you can start to build on moving forward. It doesn't get easier with Kirk Cousins and, well, right now an injured Justin Jefferson coming up. We'll see what he's able to do. And to be clear, like, they still gave up 388 yards and two touchdowns to Sam Howell. They did shut down the commander's running game, but the Bears played with a big lead there. But they also generated pressure on the quarterback for the first time consistently all season. They were showing a lot of different things defensively. I think they were mixing things up defensively on the back end and in the front seven in a way that we hadn't seen nearly enough of up to that point in the season as well. And I think some individual players are starting to play better and it's all added up to defensive progress. I think there's still gonna be ups and downs, still gonna be some challenges here in the in the coming weeks and certainly uh, once you get a little farther down in the schedule. But I, I think we can take some of this away and feel like now that they've done it, they can kind of stick to that, right? It's a little bit less of like, we're trying to throw everything at the wall and see what sticks and trying to just drive a bunch of brand new stuff up and see what we can do well. like. All right, now they found some things that 
were working against Washington. You can start using those and then building off of that instead of trying to look for anything that might start working against Washington, right? From a, from a defensive play calling standpoint, it was the most blitzing we've seen Matt Eberflus do in a game since he took over as Chicago Bears head coach. They blitzed Sam Howell. I'll pull up the number here. I just lost it. 18 out of his 60 dropbacks, 30% of the time, which is like still not like insane. I mean, Justin Fields has been blitzed over 50% of the time in a few different games this season. So it's not like out of this world, but not only were they blitzing consistently against Sam Howell, but they were blitzing in more creative and, and disguised ways. They were doing a better job of blitzing to get pass rushers free, right? It's not just like the fifth guy's coming, you know, the safety walks up and then blitzes and everyone kind of can see that safety's going to come. And then everybody still just is one-on-one pass rushing. And it's like, no one's really like the, the drawing and the design of the blitz for a lot of this season when they did blitz, which was rare, didn't always feel like it was doing much. But now you've got guys coming from different areas. They were stunting a lot more in this game. You've got more than one guy blitzing. I mean, they blitzed Termaine Edmonds and TJ Edwards a bunch. Greg Stroman, Jaquan Brisker, even Jalen Jones, the backup cornerback, blitzed a couple of times in this game. And it was effective against Sam Howell. He was just 8 of 15 for 55 yards and a touchdown against the Blitz, like 53% completion percentage for 3.7 yards per attempt. It was working. I think it helped in this game playing a slightly more statuesque quarterback. Not that he's, he has no mobility. He flushed out. He scrambled a couple times, too. Like, and he made a couple of nice throws on the run. But, you know, a little bit different than Patrick Mahomes or Russell Wilson or even Baker Mayfield was running really well in that game. Like, I think that helped and should continue to help next week against Kirk Cousins, for example. But then, you know, on the backside, too, some different things coverage-wise when they blitz blitz mostly from cover three, but some different looks out of cover three. Like, they'd have three deep and sometimes just two guys underneath and different guys dropping back into coverage. And I think it just felt like structurally the blitzes made more sense and flowed into more of a game plan. There's still mistakes defensively, but it looked like that was some real progress there. Also, like, individually, players stepping up and, and playing better slowly but surely when you look at this Chicago Bears defense. Certainly, they're already starting to get healthier in the secondary. We talked about that yesterday with Jalen Johnson returning and Kyler Gordon now eligible to play, and that should certainly help. Felt like TJ Edwards was settling in. Greg Stroman stepped up and had a nice sack on the quarterback, a great interception. Like, young guys that were thrown into the mix or just new guys that were thrown into the mix slowly getting better now that they have a few games of experience under their belt. Terrell Smith, the rookie from Minnesota, continues to play pretty well for an, a rookie fifth-round pick. And the guy who really took a big step forward, Jervon Dexter, the second-round defensive tackle. He had a quietly great game. Is, is, there, is, that a fair, is that a fair sentence there, a quietly great game? He played really, really well. Didn't have the big sack, didn't have the big tackle, but... A lot of great progress from him, particularly as a pass rusher, but you can see it in his technique as well. And I broke down the All-22 film of Jervon Dexter's big day against the Washington Commanders. The All-22 video breakdown is available only for members of the Locked On Bears subtext group. It's an extra group just for the diehard listeners of the Locked On Bears podcast. It's $4.99 a month, but it gets you exclusive access to these All-22 video breakdowns. We've got charting for all the Bears coverages defensively, what Eberflus is calling. Uh, The coverages Justin Fields is facing as well, plus full games of All-22, and it's a text line. You get to text me directly for your questions and comments throughout the week and throughout the game. If you want to check it out, the website is joinsubtext.com slash locked on bears. You can always find that link in the description on the YouTube video or on the podcast feed, wherever you're listening to the podcast. The link will always be there if you don't want to type it up, but joinsubtext.com slash locked on bears for a breakdown of what Jervon Dexter 
did really, really well against the commanders. And where we're seeing technique progress in terms of it, multiple pass rush moves, pad level is get off at the line of scrimmage. Like the things we needed to see from him, we're really seeing some progress. And like him and the other young guys like Stroman and Terrell Smith and some of the veterans starting to play better as they get some more snaps in this defense, like TJ Edwards and others. Demarcus Walker made some progress in this game too. Like guys are getting it. They're settling in a little bit more. And the coach is calling the defense a little bit more effectively right now. To me, that to me is a sign that we're going to see more continued defensive progress. Not going to be great defense still, but like better than the, the disaster that we were seeing earlier in the season. Same is true for the offense. The last two weeks, we're, we've really seen some major growth there, particularly from Justin Fields, but also the offensive line. We'll get into those groups and what we're seeing on that side of the ball next on Locked on Bears. This episode of Locked on Bears is brought to you by our friends at Game Time. Game Time is going to be the best way to get tickets for all of your favorite live events, whether it's sports, music, comedy, theater events, you name it, they've got it at Game Time. I've got the Game Time app on my phone, and I'm pulling up right now the next Chicago Bears games, the next home game. I can tell you the live prices. I'm looking at it right now against the Minnesota Vikings. You can get pretty dang good seats for $135. You can see your view from the seat as well. There's only two tickets left at that price. Boy, you better jump on that. And they have a lowest price guarantee where if you can find tickets in the same section and row for somewhere else, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use our promo code Locked On NFL for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem our code L O C K E D O N. NFL for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. A big part of what has brought the Chicago Bears back into the win column this past week and darn close to the win column the week before is what Justin Fields has been able to do. And the growth from him in these two games has been very real. The question is, how sustainable is it and how much is it a reflection of the opponent and the two defenses that he's played these last two weeks? Because these have been two very bad defenses, and that doesn't mean he doesn't deserve credit for what he's been able to do. It doesn't mean the, the progress isn't real. It doesn't mean that confidence can't carry over and continue to play at a high level when the quality of opposing defenses starts to get better. But I do think... There are some things about the ways that these defenses played that are fair to question how sustainable this progress will be when they start to play better defenses. The other aspect of this, though, is like, when will they start to play better defenses? It's not like the Vikings have been necessarily lighting the world on fire so far this season. I mean, they haven't been abysmal defensively by any means, but they're in the bottom third of the league in terms of pass defense and bottom third in points and below half in yards. Like they're not a great defense by any means. And the Raiders, same kind of thing. They've barely generated turnovers. So they got Jordan Love for one or a couple last night. So, you know, it's not going to be like all of a sudden we're expecting, even if, even if this was just a reflection of bad defense, it's like Fields is still going to play some lesser defenses here. And there's some real progress in terms of him, in terms of what he's doing with his eyes and his mechanics. But also I think to some extent, Luke Getze as an offensive coordinator and a play caller settling in a little bit more, especially with this mini bye week. I think they can kind of build off of what they've been able to do together. So for Fields, there's been a certain level of confidence that we're seeing him play with out there, perhaps a reflection of the quality of defense he's going against. But like 
that can carry over to that same confidence against the next team that you're going to play where he trusts his eyes and he trusts his arm and he trusts his receiver all at the same time to fire in throws that are very difficult and are tight windows that not every quarterback can hit. And maybe Fields in week one or week two isn't going to be accurate enough on those throws or, or perhaps more likely isn't going to attempt those passes in the first place. That was something we saw from him earlier in the season, right? Where he's going through his progression. You can see, you know, on the ultimate two, his helmet is it faces is facing the receiver who's open. And he's looking right at it and he passes on it and goes to the next spot in his, in his progression because he's just not trusting it fully, whether he's not trusting his eyes or his arm or whatever it is in that moment. He's not he's looking in the right places. His brain's going to the right idea, but he's not pulling the trigger and, and firing it in. But against the Broncos and the Commanders, he's doing a lot more of that. You know, all three layers, levels of the field, deep, intermediate, underneath, moving well, feeling the pocket very well, more consistent footwork, more consistent delivery, and, and trusting his players to make plays after the catch and do some of the hard work for him. Luke Getze, obviously getting DJ Moore a heck of a lot more involved in the last two weeks. I mean, what is it? Back-to-back games with eight catches. And of course, this most recent one was 230 yards, but before that, 131 yards. Like he's been... Uh, how much higher in the target volume as well and putting him earlier in progressions and making him more of a focal point in the offense intentionally to get him the ball. Like that is progress from your offensive coordinator who it felt like was struggling to do so in previous games, doing some different things with the quarterback as well, especially early rolling out of the pocket, but trying to be smarter about rolling out of the pocket and not just rolling Justin Fields into a blitzer, but you know, leaving blockers in there. Like we're seeing some progress in that more play action, you know, more, uh, sticking to the running game when the Bears were getting a little bit too quick to abandon it early in the season. Fields really benefits a lot from having an effective running game and getting that extra safety to come down in the box and dictate more of a single deep coverage on the back end to make Justin Fields' job easier. More designed quarterback runs where it's not even a read option. It's just snap directly to Fields. They haven't always been perfectly designed. There have been a couple of those that are just flawed blocking scheme in terms of not having guys in the, in the right spots even pre-snap, but like... It is, it is progress in some of that regard, even as, even as there are, you know, now running back injuries that can, can throw a wrench into some of that action. And of course, through all the Chase Claypool up and down, well, I guess it wasn't really much up, but you know what I mean? The, the up and down in terms of being active on the roster, I guess, and now not even being on the team anymore. Like there's been some obstacles throughout this process for Luke Getze, and we're starting to see some progress there. Like, for example, against the commanders, and we'll get into this with the offensive line a little bit, but like. Mercedes Lewis became tight end too, although he was on the field for 22 snaps. I don't think if I saw the snaps count correctly, he ran a single route, not a designed route. He was in the block in pass protection or run blocking on essentially every play. There might've been a couple plays where he like checked and released, but like his first job was to block. And then if he had no one to block, he would run out on a route. But for the most part, he could be kind of a sixth offensive lineman out there at times who still has a little bit more of a threat to be a receiver than an actual sixth offensive lineman. So like, it feels like, okay, they're figuring out better ways to use Mercedes Lewis. They're figuring out better ways to use DJ Moore. They're figuring out better ways to use Justin Fields overall. And if they, as they've been able to get him going earlier in games, and he's been able to carry that confidence throughout and not have to like pull off a fourth quarter comeback to get the team even close in the end of some of these games and then have all the pressure on his shoulders at the end of some of these games. Like it just, it feels like players are starting to be put in a slightly better position to be successful as this season has gone on. And that to me feels like signs that some of this can be sustained. It doesn't mean 40 points every single week, 
Because not every defense is going to give up 40 the way the, commander, the Commanders did just there. It was 28 against the Broncos. Like those are those are the numbers the Bears should be at, and the numbers that they were at last season when the offense was at its best, even against some pretty good playoff caliber opponents. So we've seen the Bears find this sort of like mid-season comfort zone and go on a nice little run here. Even if the run isn't necessarily about wins and losses, but just like offensively get the offense going and clicking, that's a good sign that things can kind of keep rolling that way. Especially because we are seeing improvement from the offensive line in particular. Some of that has been health-wise. Some of that has been players just... Again, settling in either at a new team, a new position, or a new league when it comes to Darnell Wright at right tackle. We'll kind of check in on where the offensive line stands right now and where things might still go from here next on Locked On Bears. The Locked On Bears podcast is brought to you by our friends at FanDuel Sportsbook, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers are going to get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place any $5 bet. Literally, you just bet $5 on anything. Could be a three-point spread for the Bears game this week against the Vikings. Maybe it's the money line, the over-under, a player prop bet. You name it, you bet $5 on anything. Whether that wins or loses, FanDuel is going to add an extra $200 of bonus bets into your account. So if you win, you get your winnings plus $200. If you lose your $5 bet, you still get $200 extra at the end to play for. So if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. You got to download their app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Or you can visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off this NFL season or get this NFL season cranked up now that we're a quarter of the way through the year here with FanDuel, an official partner of the NFL. A big part of the success that Justin Fields has had, and not to take anything away from him, but a big part of this equation is how the offensive line has been playing better. Again, we're we're trying to be careful here about not getting too overhyped or thinking everything is great and that there's no, no concerns before. There is still an offensive line that needs to keep getting better. But we are seeing progress in that regard. It's not fixed. It's not solved. But it's a group that's getting better and it's getting healthier and it's getting more comfortable and it's building. So it's going to start to build some more of that cohesion as an offensive line. I think we're seeing like areas of it in terms of like the right side in particular. Nate Davis and Darnell Wright seem to be a lot more on the same page now entering week six than it than they were entering week one. <laughs> Although, I, you know, plus with Nate Davis being in on the lineup, that was hard with that process too. But when Davis first came back, from, you know, the personal issues he was dealing with in his family life and stuff. Like, he and Darnell Wright were still new teammates trying to learn how to play next to each other. And you could see, you know, it's not perfectly communication errors, but but it's that sort of thing where it's not about, like, it's not something that guys have to say out loud. It's sort of the nonverbal communication, right? It's the muscle memory. It's the cohesion. It's it's that sort of stuff that that feels like it needed just time to know each other better and know, okay, when this guy's going in, I know I can trust you to pass it off, but if you got a guy there, then I know I need to take this on my own. Like just stuff that with experience and playing next to each other, guys are settling in. Nate Davis individually is just settling in. He just didn't look right early in this season. Especially in week one against Green Bay, it was rough. Then he missed the next two games, I think. My timeline's correct. Comes back, you know, kind of... I think there was some tragedy in his family and stuff. And now that that's, you know, that's, I don't want to say over because that stuff stays with you for a long time. But you know what I mean? Now that that's settled, that's, I, I don't know. I want to be, I want to be 
gentle about it, right? But now that there's less unknown about his situation, he can kind of come back and piece everything back together and try and focus a little bit more on football and stuff and move forward a little bit more instead of being kind of mentally in two places at the same time. Maybe now he can be a little bit more settled in. And like, I think we're seeing Nate Davis get back to more of the, the level of the guy we saw with the Tennessee Titans and not the guy who was real rough to start this season. So like that's helping a lot. Darnell Wright as a rookie. We've seen there's still going to be plays when he gets smoked off the edge. Like it happened against the commanders too. You know, Montez Sweat, not an easy matchup for him. There's going to be good and bad with him, but it feels like he's starting to find a little bit more of a groove in that regard, right? He's making some really nice plays, particularly in the running game as well. I mean, we saw there's a, I think the NFL itself tweeted out a play where he just bulldozed the guy when he pulled from the backside. Like he is getting more and more comfortable on that right side. And, and we're going to see still ups and downs from him, but you know, it's like up and down, but it's moving in the upward direction overall. You know, it's sort of a, Two, three steps forward, two steps back, and then two steps forward, two steps back, and then a couple, four steps forward, two steps back. You know, like where you're, you're you're moving forward and backwards, but over the course of time, you're making generally like forward progress along that line. I think getting Cody Whitehair back at center is generally a good thing for him as a blocker. Again, the snaps have been issues here and there. And overall, like he's still been a bit disappointing, but it was also like he just got thrown back into center. He hasn't he, he hasn't been there much yet. So I think as he gets more comfortable in theory, stuck back at one position for a while again, the position he tried to practice all summer and get used to, that should be good. And, and more than anything, it's good because you get Tevin Jenkins back at left guard and he was already ready to go. He was still in a snap rotation last week. I would expect him to be the full, full on every snap guy now this week, back in quote unquote game shape for that. And that's an instant upgrade. Like Cody Whitehair struggled at left guard and he might still, might still struggle at center, but Tevin Jenkins will be an upgrade over Lucas Patrick in that swap back. And so that's a net positive for the offensive line. Even if Whitehair still kind of continues to struggle on the at, at center, he was struggling a little bit at left at left guard. Braxton Jones, or excuse me, Larry Borum at left tackle has been rough. I mean, it's it's a problem there. But if you feel like the other four guys can hold things down just fine, you know, you're not rotating backups in other spots too. If you have one weak link at the left tackle spot, you know, you can slide protections that way. You can have the running back help that side. You can have the tight ends help that side. You know, there's things you can do to help one bad offensive lineman. It's harder to help two or three bad offensive linemen all at the same time. But if you got one guy who's struggling, and I think, it again, Washington was a particularly tough matchup on the defensive line there. I thought he was a little better than that against Denver the week before and not not horrible against Kansas City before that either. But, like, Larry Borm is, is what he is at this point. I guess the only the other thing we can point to there is that eventually – in theory, Braxton Jones should be back. I don't know that we have much of a much of a timeline on what his injury recovery situation might be as far as how long he's going to be out. I remember Matt Eberflus being kind of coy about it. I mean, it's a neck injury is what they called it. So that, 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 doesn't, that doesn't usually sound like something that's going to be a quick recovery there. So it's still TBD, but a chance that he may be back at some point this season too and, and the offensive line can still get better. Plus, you got Mercedes Lewis being used as a blocker more, like we started to mention, you know, earlier. Uh, Roshan Johnson's been a pretty good blocker, but I know he's he's heard this at this point. I thought honestly, Khalil Herbert has made some small progress as a pass blocker. It's it's always a really small sample size with running backs, but I thought he was better against Denver against Washington in this game. Like it's it's getting there. He went from being abysmal to not abysmal. How, then I wouldn't say good, but like not abysmal. So like protection is is getting better. You can it always it still needs to get even more better, but like progress. 
and it, it doesn't feel like, especially against a good Washington defensive line. Like Washington's defense overall is bad, but Sweat, Young, Deron Payne, Jonathan Allen is a good defensive line. The, the secondary is rough, and the linebackers are rough, and that's a big part of this. But but against a pretty good defensive line, the Bears' offensive line wasn't terrible. Held their own, certainly enough for Justin Fields to get the job done for the running game to get the job done, and for the offense to score 40 points. So like those are all reasons that feel like, yeah, you know, the O-line can keep playing better. Justin Fields can keep this confidence going. Defense is improving and getting some better play calling, I think, on both sides of the ball. Maybe you can start to build something a little bit here. I don't know if I'm ready to say that means they're going to beat the Minnesota Vikings and then they're going to beat the Raiders and it's going to be three wins in a row heading into a probably a pretty tough game against the Los Angeles Chargers. I'm not quite there yet, but I think we can start to, I don't even know, do we, do we say we can have some confidence? Can I use the word confidence in this team? I mean, after, when they were sitting 0-4, it was, you got to prove me, you got you lost all benefit of the doubt, you got to prove it again. And the Commanders was starting to prove it again. But I'm not fully convinced that everything is going to be fixed from here on out. There's still going to be some ups and downs. And weird things happen when the Chicago Bears play the Minnesota Vikings. We're going to get into some of those weird things on Thursday when we talk to Luke Braun from Locked on Vikings. He was one of my favorites. We we end up hosting Locked on NFL a lot together on Tuesdays. And, uh, and it's always a good time talking to Luke Braun. So we're going to have some fun with that preview on Thursday as well. Put together a game plan for a Bears victory on Friday as well. And then, uh, you know, we're always going to hear for you five days a week for your daily Bears news and analysis. So make sure then that you hit that subscribe button on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts, because that's going to be the best way to keep up with all of our daily in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. Really appreciate you making us your first listen today and hopefully every single day. We are part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. That means your team every day. And it's the everydayers that really drive this podcast. That's why we... That's why, you, that's why we do the show is for you people tuning in and really making sure you're getting that daily bearish fix. And in exchange, at the very least, I always want to leave you with another opportunity to bear down.